Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar Coltman. I am joined by Braden Dollar Coltman and Elliot Tanty. It is the 15th of January when we are recording this. Uh, is it too late to say Happy New Year? Have we have we passed the threshold, Elliot? Or what for you is the cutoff uh, between the first and whatever point when you can no longer wish someone a Happy New Year? No, I mean, I think you can go right up until December 31st of the year if that's the first time you've seen them in the new year. Unless it's unhappy. Well, that's a long, that's a hell of a threshold. All right. So if I don't, if I see, so when I see someone like only every Christmas, I'm still allowed to wish them happy new year. I think people do. Yeah. I think you never know which year they're talking about though. True. Well, presumably the year they're in, but the new one. Anyway, happy new year to the, to the both of you. Happy new year to our listeners. Uh, We've been off for the beginning uh, a bit here of, of January, but there's lots to talk about. We will do that here shortly. Um, uh, but again, really quickly wanting to uh, thank everybody. We got lots of great feedback on our uh, last couple episodes of the previous year, 2023. But as we kick off 2024, we want to remind you as always, if you haven't already, hit subscribe. Share it with a friend. My New Year's resolution is to continue to try to grow this podcast. We've had a couple of really great years, but it's time for it to just find that new uh, that new audience out there that I know is going to be interested in what it is, and I hope what they're going to be interested in is what we're talking about here right now. Here's topic one. Okay, so January brings lots of new things. Resolutions, optimism, maybe not, but some hope for what's to come in the year ahead. But you know what else it brings, Elliot? It brings NFL playoffs. And I would like to just say that I think after we have now completed wildcard weekend that we have so far been treated to some very interesting and in some cases, very exciting uh, NFL football, uh, some, some highs, some lows, depending on your allegiances, some real lows. Uh, if, if you happen to be a Cowboys fan and if uh, you're a Cowboys fan and listening to the show, I really, uh, I really do appreciate you listening, but uh, uh, I'm not sure you're going to find much solace here. That was a very wild card weekend, literally with the emphasis on wild Elliot for you. What did you watch and what did you observe? Uh, I didn't watch a whole hell of a lot, to be honest with you. A little disappointed in my own NFL watching habits this week. That being said, I will say what I say every year when it's just, I think I've said it the last two years uh, this weekend and on the parody in this league is getting so much better on any given Sunday, any, any given weekend, any team can win. And we saw that a bunch this weekend with a bunch of really close games, some upsets, some surprises, uh, the NFL is just an incredibly fun league to watch. And this is why, because everyone is good and everyone has good game plans. Everyone has strong coaching staffs and it's every game is in when you're in the playoffs, it's just one and anything can happen. And that's what we saw again this weekend. Well, it was a, Busy weekend, as I said, and it, it extended into Monday. Obviously, Martin Luther King Day, day Ju- or Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I should say, uh, in the United States. So holiday today that ended up being kind of a double header because it wasn't intended to be. But the temperatures and the snow, obviously, in Buffalo pushing their Sunday night game uh, onto Monday. But let's go back to the beginning of the weekend. Uh, Dolphins Chiefs. Uh, pardon me. Actually, if we go all the way back, I guess it's Texans Browns kicked it off and the Texans kicked the Browns around. Uh, Braden, of the Saturday matchups, which of those games did you watch? I did watch a whole hell of a lot of football this weekend. Um, I watched all of them. I watched both of the games. I man, I was I I really did think the Browns were gonna um, do a number on Houston, and C.J. Stroud just proved that he is a phenomenal rookie sensation. 
Um, I think he threw for like 270 some yards. Like it's, it's insane. It's uh, 45, 14. That's a drumming. Um, I don't think any, anybody really expected that. Um, I also thought the dolphins were going to take out the chiefs, but um, as the chiefs dynasty continues, uh, so too do they, do their wins continue to pile up? Um, that's just a dominant team. It's going to continue to ride. I think um, Pat Mahomes and Kelsey and, Taylor Swift, they've they've all got it going for the Chiefs this year. Isn't it funny how bad Miami is in cold weather? Like it's just it's like a cliche, but it's just true. Like they just can't win when it's cold. Well, like, but again, I mean, to be fair, that Hard was practice. That, that, that was beyond cold though. Like that was like what the third coldest game recorded in NFL history. Like at that point, you're half the game is football, half the game is literally just survival, prevention, like prevent prevention of hypothermia. Like it's not nothing about that would have been enjoyable nothing about that would have been comfortable like every every part of you you know is just literally trying to make it through the football game while having to play at the highest level so to be fair the team that has played more often in cold weather should have an advantage and obviously the team that every year in playoffs but that's what i'm saying so like i know you're right ellie it's a bit of a cliche but at the same time like come on if you if you didn't think if you thought miami was going to come out here and all of a sudden be like winter warriors i i i i would have liked to have understood the logic but at the same time like you've got players like tyree kill who have played in kansas city like guys who understand what it's like to play in this sure and he's their only touchdown i mean at the end of the day the weather's the weather kansas city found a way to put up 26 points the dolphins got one touchdown like what i would say is overall in general i think that the, the team that handles the adversity of the weather better wins the football game nine times out of 10 when it, yeah. when weather is that big a factor that we'll talk about Buffalo in a minute, but at the end of the day, it's mental. And I think that the advantage will always go to the team that plays in that climate. Most often, regardless of the individual players. I mean, overall, there's a lot of players that on the yeah. Miami dolphins team who've never seen a winter game like that in their lives. Whereas the Kansas city chiefs guys have had a couple weeks here to prepare for it. How often do we see helmets blowing up crack and blow up yeah that was crazy that's not that was- safe <laughs> no that's not good <laughs> no yeah what's more dangerous the fact for the guy that's wearing the helmet that cracks or the shards of frozen yeah. plastic that just went flying in the air or that the replacement helmet is also frozen yeah yeah so that so let's 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 leave saturday after that obviously as you say Braden, uh cj stroud definitely dominant performance over the browns Chiefs a dominant performance over the Dolphins. We get to Sunday. We have another very dominant performance. At what point did you know it was over for the Dallas Cowboys? Or did you, as a casual fan, not one who had necessarily had a vested interest in either these two teams specifically, did you did you think that the Cowboys still had a fighting chance in this, or were you ready to call it a day after the first or second quarter? Uh, yeah, after the first quarter, after the third touchdown, like it was it was insane uh jordan love is he was sensational that game i'm not all on his bandwagon like this is going to continue for this guy necessarily but that that they blew them out of the water like they shocked them in the in the first quarter well and and obviously it's one of those weird things where you know we all we've we've you know you say it, it's it's almost a cliche at this point in sports but it's always like which team has how, like the most to play for and like there's no there's no team that ever will have more to play for than the Dallas Cowboys at home in the playoffs just because of what the stakes for that 
franchise are, obviously. But this is a young Packers team that I think everyone kind of counts out, continue to seem it seems to count out. First so they've got that Rogers. little chip on their shoulders to go, yeah. hey, we what do we have to lose? We're just gonna go ball out. And they did. And yeah. it looked they and you're right, Jordan Love looked comfortable the whole game. Dallas never made him uncomfortable. Um, the only thing I'll say to like soothe a little bit from the Cowboys is like you had a terrible coaching night, you had a terrible like quarterbacking night, you had guys weren't catching balls, it was just it was bad all around. But like there's probably not a single there was not a single player in any of the other games I saw who was held and not got a penalty, like didn't draw the penalty more often than Micah Parsons. Like the 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 again, as an impartial fan, I'm watching it and it's like every single down Micah Parsons is held because he is such a dangerous threat. And yet they 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 were there were situations where the Cowboys literally dropped him back into coverage just to give him a break from being tugged and being yanked and having his head snapped back and like just ridiculous on that side. So I I I feel like th- there was there was some there's there's some legitimate frustration on the Cowboys part of it, but it's like that's not one of those games the Cowboys could blame on anybody but themselves at the end of the day. They just yeah, were, I mean, they were I, dog shit. You can't give up 48 points in a game in a playoff game like. The- and this is always, I always feel like this is the base. The, Dallas always finds a way to lose. <laughs> I, like, and this time, the way they found a, the, the, how do they find a way to lose? Horrific defensive game planning. Yeah. They just, you cannot do that in a playoff game against that, against that Green Bay team. There's no reason why they give up 48 points, and that's the difference in the game. I mean, they scored 32. Like, they, they're, 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 they were good on the offensive side, but, the, and yeah, penalties, okay, sure, Jordan, but you, I, you, you can't, do that no i agree with you i'm just saying they didn't even have a they didn't even have a little extra help like they nothing was gonna nothing went their way you know what i mean well and at the same time they finished with 32 points like if they didn't drop a lot of that is scored in garbage time though like a lot of that came late there was no consistency dak never got any rhythm or momentum he never found like when you are finishing the first quarter and he and cd lamb are on the sidelines yelling at each other you know the day's over like when the best offensive players can't at least sort of like get together and say, we're going to turn the ship around before the, the flooding really takes over the thing sinking. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So that was just, it was brutal. And it was a, it was a beat down regardless of the final score. It, the score, to be honest with you, the Cowboys made the score line look a lot more respectable than it yeah. should have been. Yeah. Uh, they really, it, it was as bad, if not worse than the Texans beating the Browns. But I'm, then, I would not be the, surprised. Like I, they're, they're, the Cowboys are going to make some irrational moves here. Uh, yeah, well, let's talk about like, that then. Do well, what? Pre- what do we expect? <laughs> Obviously, coaching Dak. change. No, I think Dak's the first to go. But okay, so here's the question: He's had the he's had the, the opportunity. He's, you think Dak over the coach? Well, no, I I do think the coach too. Sadly, I think the coach. I think McCarthy's done a surprisingly a decent job with this team. Uh, but the the coaching uh, table right now in free agency is way too appetizing. I think for Jerry Jones to to pass over. So, okay, so let's talk about those in two pieces. Then let's start with the coaching. Where do they go? Elliot, Bill, who do you think they sign? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, 100%. That's so the, the first name that they're going after. So here's the only, here's my only pushback on that because I feel like that's the easy answer. Yeah. And the reason I say that is this we have two individuals here, arguably the two most headstrong individuals in the NFL when it comes to system control. Jerry Jones, this is his football team, he makes the final decision. Bill Belichick, in my opinion, isn't going anywhere where he can't have the both jobs. He wants to be the coach and GM and run the show. 
Dallas will never be a place that lets some guy, even Bill Belichick, with that resume, run the show. Unless you're telling me that at what, like 82 years old, uh, Jerry Jones is finally going to change his ways. That to me feels very unlikely. The only reason I see it working is because Jerry Jones loves a splashy move. He loves a big, you know, big, big headline grabbing kind of thing. And he likes, I think, to swing his dick when it comes to other owners and Robert Kraft and him do not get along. And this would be a great way to him to to sort of say to Robert Kraft, fuck you, you let this guy go watch what I'm going to do with him. But at the same time, I just don't know how those two personalities are better for the Cowboys than what they've already had going. I just don't know how they make that. I think you're probably right, Jordan. I think and it's something that, you know, we'll be talking about and we'll be debating until an actual decision is made. I I think one of the things that I would be thinking about though, is the fact that when Belichick and Brady broke up, Brady got to go and win another Super Bowl and, 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 and establish that he could do it without Belichick. Belichick's not done that yet. And I think if you look at the teams in the league that have the best opportunity to win and win now that have a coaching vacancy, I mean, there's talk that he's meeting with the Falcons today or something like that. You know, you have to look at Dallas. Is the the, the 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 components are there, and so if the, are that, they? That would be my. They argument. don't have a quarterback. Clearly, they don't have a quarterback. I don't think they're going to continue with Dak after do, this year. Here's so I I understand what you're saying, Elliot, which is right. But I actually think we're I think that we're wrong to think that Belichick's motivation is winning a Super Bowl. I think that is always the motivation of every player and coach in the league. You want to win a Super Bowl. More importantly for Belichick right now, though, there is a single record I believe he is chasing, and that's the all-time wins for coaching. And that is the record he's after. So he needs to first be thinking, and I think he is first thinking, which is a team in a division that I'm going to be able to maximize my regular season wins to take that record because that is my legacy. No, no coach in the modern era is going to coach as long as Bill Belichick, presumably. We certainly don't have anybody currently active that's going to be able to have that level of success for that length of time to take Dan, I think it's Shula's record uh, coaching for wins. I think that's his first priority. Secondly, of course, he wants to be on a team that can compete. The difference, though, between him and Brady is that when Brady went out, every single team in the league, much like Shohei Otani, would have tried to go and get Tom Brady. There's like three or four teams that were comfortable enough with their quarterbacks to say, no, that's not a guy we want. So he really had his pick of whatever roster and knew that him stepping in there made them a contender. The difference with Belichick now, and you kind of alluded to this, but the, but it's it's a piece of this, is that like the best teams right now that have the best chance of winning have coaches. That's why they're successful right now and why they have a chance to win. If you have fired your coach, there's a reason. And that's why there's a vacancy. There's clearly something fundamentally wrong. And there's no roster in this league that's so Super Bowl ready that's just as missing a coach. That's just not how this works. So the difference is he's going to be stepping into some level of rebuild. The question is, how quickly can he turn a team around? Right. Is it as simple? Well, as any of these teams are going to be better than the Patriots are right now. Fine. And that's true. That's why he's not there anymore. If he's going to the Atlanta Falcons, they still need a quarterback. There's no quarterback there right now who wins them a Super Bowl or, frankly, even wins them a playoff game. Arguably, you could say the same thing right now about the Cowboys, because guess what? Dak Prescott hasn't won them a a playoff game. That's the reality. Um, But the second part for the Dallas side is who else right now is better to make you successful immediately as a quarterback? Where are you going to go try to get Kirk Cousins? Like, how's that worked out? They didn't make the playoffs. No, there's going to be available. There's going to be guys. All I'm trying to say is I think from the Dallas side of it. Yes, it's very enticing. Yes, it's the big blockbuster move. And frankly, like, look, it probably is what happens. 
because if I've learned anything about the NFL, often what you expect to have happen when it comes to these things is just exactly what happens. There's no mystery in it at all. But at the same time, I think that there are enough red flags that if I was on either of those two individuals, Jerry Jones or Belichick's, you know, advisory committee, I'd be I'd be asking some questions. That's all I guess I would say. But we'll see. This is definitely going to be one of the biggest offseason stories about how the Cowboys recover from this. Because, look, they haven't won in a few years, but nothing this embarrassing. No, this no, is a new low. You're right. And, and they are sort of like the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL, right? Like a lot of media interest, entertainment. Oh, they're bigger. They're, they're, they're the biggest sports entity in, in America. And as so far as gonna, that kind of, so they're going to, they're going to dominate until there's yeah. a solution made. And like you said, Jerry Jones is a big personality. Yeah. I think you're, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right on both sides. I think you're right in the fact that it's just too big of a story for it not to actually just occur. Cause that's just, yeah. but seems I to always go right that way to ask questions, but you know what? The story of it all blowing up in everyone's face, it would also be valuable for the NFL too. So. For sure. For sure. Matter. For sure. Hey, we got to talk about the, the, the best win of the weekend. Well, let's talk about not just the best win, but the best game. Like, without question, the most exciting, most entertaining football game of the weekend. Literally a one-point victory. The Detroit Lions not having won a playoff game in 32 years. Uh, a team that has arguably been one of the most um, just, like, long-suffering fan bases in professional sports. You put them up there with the Cubs. Obviously not as long, but you put them up there with the Cubs. You put them up there with the Cleveland Browns, uh, just the entire state of Ohio when it came to professional sports for a long time. But, like, the Lions and the and the city of Detroit had waited so long for this moment. And all of the narrative, all the storyline pieces, Dan Campbell's on the team that goes 0-16, you know, becomes a coach, comes back after they've just made some terrible, terrible choices about coaching staffs. He revitalizes this team. They make this blockbuster trade to send away the franchise guy who everyone in Detroit loved Matt Stafford because the one thing you could never say about Matt Stafford was that he never gave absolutely everything he had on the football field. They trade him to LA and immediately watch him go win his Super Bowl. And in some ways, even Detroit was cheering for him. All of Detroit was cheering for the Rams that playoff because it was like, this is our guy and he deserves this opportunity. But wouldn't it be nice if we could finally have our, our shot? I will tell you, I know Lions fans when they traded for Matt Stafford or pardon me, traded Matt Stafford for Jared Goff. Even they were like, hey, we're going to draft a quarterback. Goff's just the piece we had to move to, to make this deal. And then Jared Goff comes in with Dan Campbell. And all of a sudden, these these Lions are not like the Lions for the last 32 years. They are really, really good. And they've become kind of this NFL media darling all season, the highs, the lows, obviously that ridiculous game a couple of weeks ago with the end of play and the ref not declare and not hearing the guy declare or saying he didn't hear the guy declare. And there's all of this drama. And then you have Matt Stafford come back into Detroit Ford Field. Absolutely bumping Braden. How stressful as a non like not a partisan fan, but I know in your heart you were cheering for those Lions. How stressful was that football game? Yeah, oh, I don't know about stressful, uh, entertaining, exciting one. though. It was very yeah. entertaining, and and two that it was close. Like we I, we had just watched ridiculous domination by the Packers, um. So to see a game that sort of went back and forth, toe to toe, you know, the narrative was there with these quarterbacks, uh, two first overall draft picks traded for each other, thirty two years out of a win for the, for the lions. Like the, yeah, everything was going for the lions. And I think the, the, the fact that they were able to, I mean, 
the Rams, the Rams very easily could have kicked a field goal and had that game. Um, but for the Lions defense to to lock it down in the in the last minutes there in their own territory, I think was um just icing on the cake was the first for such an exciting game. Elliot, did you watch that one? No, but I caught the highlights. I mean, I, I think this just reinforces for me that these Detroit Lions have been like the team of the season. Like it, it, it they they they've locked it up now. That's the story. When we're doing our year end uh podcast next year, we can't forget this team and 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 what's that? from week one and the win over Kansas City and like everything that went into that and that whole story and then the ups and downs of the team and uh the excitement and the the just the, the personality of the of the coaching staff and and ultimately you know leading up to this game this weekend i mean what a great story I'm so happy for detroit lion fans and it's been fun to watch and that's this, these this is why we watch sports for stories like this so they've been the team of the year this year and for the rams like that's a team that nobody thought was going to be making the, the playoffs yeah. like so so for that team to kind of have a resurgence for sean McVay to still be there like the very low expectations. So for them to be able to well, and and talk about talk about a great example of like the old guys still got it. Matt Stafford looked phenomenal in that football yeah. game, even after they bounced his head off the turf like a basketball and let him come back in. I couldn't believe he was back in that football game, but like busted up hand. They're going to come out. He's They're going to come out tomorrow and be like, yeah, he's, he's got like four broken fingers. His ribs are cracked and he's got a concussion because like he got absolutely walloped, but kept getting up. That football game did not have a single turnover, not even a turnover on downs. Like that is a phenomenal head to head shot for shot football game both teams absolutely playing to their to their max and not giving an inch defensively and yet the offense has found a way to push them around get their points on the board and and as you say it comes down to a single point at the end of the game that as you say Braden, a, a field goal was all that the, the the rams needed and the lions were able to hold them which is fantastic so that for me is, I mean, as Elliot says, team, maybe team of the year, but like without question, definitely the game of the weekend. Let's talk about Monday. Uh, we just saw them. Uh, the Bills Steelers, which was, of course was postponed because of snow. Before we even talk about this, we do just have to acknowledge and talk a little bit about the like the, the crazy images that were coming out of Buffalo. Did you see the footage from Sunday night in Buffalo? Like if they had attempted this game, what a joke it would have been. Yeah, but they've done this before, haven't they? Like they've played they've in games a whiteout. from Buffalo because of yeah. this before. Why don't they, they played... have a dome? I don't understand why they don't have a freaking roof. Well, they're, they're, they are de- they are desperately trying to get public money to build a new stadium. So we'll see. But they clearly uh, need it. <laughs> yes, it is definitely one of the worst cities in the country when it and comes to weather. And they need one in the parking lot. Like Speaking of a, that, just before. Insane. Just on top of this, it's funny because Buffalo ended up being also a key piece of another sort of side sports story. Did you hear about all the travel issues in the NHL coming out of Buffalo? No. So the 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 Vancouver Canucks played uh, in Buffalo on, I believe, um, Sunday night. And they had to get to Columbus for Monday for a matinee game because it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So they couldn't fly out of Buffalo. So they put them on a bus to Toronto, but they put their equipment in a truck to Toronto. So they get to Pearson, they get on a flight, they fly to Columbus on again, this like red eye, red eye flight or whatever. But when they get to Columbus, they realize none of their equipment has made it. None of their equipment even got on the plane. In fact, none of their equipment even made it to Pearson. For some reason, the rental car truck company that was hired to take their equipment from Buffalo to Toronto, took it right to the arena in Toronto, thinking they were playing the Maple Leafs. So it showed up at Scotiabank this morning. Uh, 
And then it had to be rushed onto a chartered flight to fly to Columbus. They got their gear like an hour before the hockey game, which is pretty, pretty funny. But here's the even better part, because Detroit played in Toronto and had to get out. But to get to Toronto to play, I guess, it was Saturday night or whatever. When Detroit, Detroit's flight was delayed. When they landed at Pearson, it was 45 minutes before faceoff. They had to hold the start of the Leafs Red Wings game 25 minutes. They literally like I imagine them putting on their gear on the bus from the airport. Like, how do you how do you turn around that when you land on the tarmac at Pearson, get to Scotiabank? I mean, that's just ridiculous. So weather a factor all over the place in the east. Uh, But to be fair, give uh, Buffalo credit. That field looked pretty clean by by kickoff here on Monday. They were able to play a football. They were able to play a football game. How clean it looked like you would never know there was snow unless you saw this fans throwing snow did you see the other <laughs> video though the guys in the fans the, the fans trying to like trudge through some of the sections that didn't get cleared out it was, it was pretty yeah. it was pretty hilarious pretty hilarious um thoughts on that one do you watch that i assume you watched Braden's the only one of us I did. who's unemployed so he can just watch football whenever well, he wants unemployed. fun employed um talk to me about that football game Braden. what did you see out of the bills and the steelers uh just another like the, the, the bills had they just they knew they were going to win that game that's pretty much it uh Pittsburgh didn't really look like they came to play. Uh, and Josh Allen does the thing Josh Allen does, which is run How about 50 that run? yards for some touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he put them on his back and carried them. Because there's and been a lot of naysayers about these Buffalo Bills as of late, Elliot. And there's been a lot of people sort of writing them off already. Are you uh, in that camp or did they did they? Yeah, I uh, mean, let's tell you that they're still alive here? Let's not oversell this. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. It's not like it was like a massive thing. Like, let's 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 calm down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's a bit, I, I'm, I'm just shocked. They won as easily as they did. They uh, are who we their, thought they were. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen's a good player. I, yeah, and I don't want to rip too hard on them, but I, I don't have a lot of faith in this Buffalo team going very far. And this is one of the easier matchups of the weekend, uh, in, in going up against Pittsburgh. And, uh, and so I wouldn't put too much stock in this win. Let me just say that. Uh, all right. Well, let's leave it there then and jump to the Buccaneers and Eagles who also played this game. A lot of these uh, matchups, very, very one-sided. This one, no exception. Uh, would you classify this one as a big, medium, or eh, upset, Elliot? Uh, it's a big upset. This Philadelphia team's a good team. And, they were in the Super Bowl last year. And they are, they were, well, I, you know, I thought they were well coached and they are, there's a good collection of players there. This is shocking. I, this would be for me, I think the one that I would have, I, I was least likely to have happened. Really, uh, though? But is it really shocking? They just lost to Baker Mayfield, Brady. No, but they lost like the last six games. They lost the last six weeks. Yeah, they've definitely I mean, been they, trending they, the wrong way. They have been trending in the right way. So maybe that dulls that a little bit, but nine points, three, t- three field goals, that's it. Not good enough. Uh, and it, it, that's surprising for me given uh, all the weapons on that Philadelphia team. All right. Let's really quickly look at the next round's matchups. We'll make some picks here. We didn't do this, obviously, for the first round, so it's easier now that there's only four games to deal with. we got the Baltimore Ravens taking on C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. Braden, who you have? I got the Ravens. This is Lamar Jackson's time. Elliot? Yeah, I like that pick, too, but maybe just to be different, I'll take Houston because it's a fun story. Uh, I will also take... Oh, dear. I will also take Baltimore. Uh, I think that uh, a rested team is always a better team. And I think that Baltimore is just a really good football team right now. So uh, uh, 
Braden and I will stick with the Ravens. Elliot takes Houston. All right. We have Kansas city and Buffalo, the two cold weather teams. They're going to play it in one of the two cold weather cities. It's going to be Buffalo because they are the number two seed. Uh, this has been one of the most exciting matchups for the last two playoff series seasons in a row. They've seen each other and it's always been an epic shootout. I believe uh, neither game had less than, I think it was 70 combined points. Um, or more. So who do you have here, Kansas City or Buffalo? Elliot, we'll go to you first. Yeah, I'll just defer to my previous comments about Buffalo. I don't have a lot of belief in that team, so I'll take Kansas City. Plus, Mahomes is just like playoff Pat. Uh, Braden. Uh, this is this is the third time in four years that these two teams have faced off, and I'm, I'm going to uh, – I actually think the Buffalo Bills have got this one. I, I know there's playoff Pat, but playoff Allen is going to continue to – run for 74 yards a game. I do. I also kind of like this storyline of Buffalo pulling this off only because of that. I do think being at home is an advantage to them. I would like to go back and look at how many times. More in the last couple. Well, I just don't know what the, what the difference has been previous seasons. I feel like they've played more often in Kansas city in recent yeah. years, which I do think is a factor. Uh, obviously the weather will be a huge factor regardless. This will be the coldest game of all four. I guarantee you that. Um, Considering we're going, well, Baltimore could be chilly too, but we'll see. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll go with Buffalo too, just to, just to allow it to be consistent and give Elliot the opportunity to just be the naysayer on all these. Uh, let's go San Francisco, Green Bay. This is a classic. A couple classic teams here. And obviously this is in San Francisco. There, there, should, there should be no snow. Yeah, this is exciting. You know, in years past, this you you just have to defer to Aaron Rodgers, but that's not the Green Bay Packers of today. They're a different team. I think, you know, they had a good weekend, and that's exciting and good for them. Um, but I think that it's all going to come crashing down, and the San, Fr- San Francisco is going to win this game. Okay, Braden? Yeah, I got the Niners, too. I think that, I mean, they've had a bye week, and just like you said, the uh, rest of the team is the team that's going to win. All right. Well, I might as well just be fun. Then I'll take the Green Bay Packers uh, just because I like the storyline of it. And the quarterback's uh, name's Jordan or something. What did I say earlier? Arrested team's a good team. No, no, you don't want to be the rested team. That's a terrible thing to be. You want to be the team that's hot and on a roll. So I'll take Green Bay. I will also say this. Here's what I'll say. If Green Bay beats San Francisco, I would not want to be the next team they play. No way. You have a confident bunch of guys with nothing to lose. They're all playing already with house money. That's where you want to be. The pressure's on San Francisco at home. Anyway, I'll take Green Bay. Let's finish off with the uh, the final matchup here. We got the Detroit Lions playing host to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first time since 1993 that the Detroit Lions will see the second round 92. of the playoffs. 92, that's right. Sorry. The, se- the, the second round of the playoffs. Divisional series. This is their, their second playoff game this season. It, they're playing with house money, but who do you got, Braden? Detroit or, or Tampa Bay? I think this is one of the closer uh, closer matchups. Uh, Baker Mayfield's got a lot of confidence moving into this game, but I, I just like the story and the narrative way too much, so I'm going to put my money down on Detroit. Elliot. Yeah, same thing. I just love this Detroit team, the story. I've already declared them the team of the year, and it's January 15th, so i got to take Detroit. Yeah, I can't bet against Dan Campbell and this team. I agree with you, Braden. That should be the one to watch, though it has the most potential for – actually, I'll say one of two things. This game's going to go one away. This could be a one-point game again, one on a field goal or something like that, or 
Detroit could blow this team out of the water. It feels like Detroit's <laughs> had their close one and yep. we need to see the other Detroit team that comes in here and just stomps because they've done that this season too. It'll be interesting to see which team shows up. I think the pressure's off Detroit. I think that's the one difference. I think there was a lot that's of decision-making and a lot of Monkeys like- off their back. Yeah, I think there was a lot more pressure on that first one just to get that win. And once you kind of get through that, again, the, the, the pressure's off. They have the opportunity now to just go and have some fun. But I think and that's I think with the both teams, really. Like, I don't think the Bucks have all that much to lose here either true that's true that's true true. all right well let's leave it there that's topic one hey football fans the ordinary podcasting network is very excited to welcome back for its second season running down the clock presented by puya ricey and tyler walzak these two football fans will sit down with you every thursday of the nfl schedule to talk football you can subscribe to running down the clock anywhere you get your podcast All right, let's get to topic two here. Um, We haven't had an opportunity to talk about this one yet, guys. But when we first relaunched this podcast two years ago, we talked for about four or five episodes about women's hockey. We had all kinds of ideas. We had thoughts. We had opinions. We were frustrated. We knew that there was an opportunity for professional women's hockey to work. In fact, the three of us, I think, all agreed that if people could just get it together, that there would be an audience for it, that there would be an appetite for it. And guess what? The Professional Women's Hockey League that launched this new year has been off to a roaring start. Full stadiums, full crowds, lots of attention, great numbers online, both on YouTube and on the terrestrial broadcast networks here in Canada. Uh, People are tuning in. People are interested. People seem to be engaged with it. Lots of great feedback. I've got some thoughts some maybe some things I would have done a little bit differently, but I think overall, very successful launch. And I would be curious first, have you watched some games? And what have you thought, Elliot? I have. Yeah, I watched uh, the opening weekend. And then uh, when I've been just flipping through the channels uh, and it's been on, I made a point of trying to watch as much as possible. I think it's outstanding. It's about time they got their shit in order and they got this league off the ground. Um, I think the response from the crowds, the fans, the fact they were able to get some TV deals done demonstrates that this works and it and it and it's in demand and it and it can work for a while um you know obviously the question is what does this look like from a longevity standpoint uh and you hope nothing but the best for 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 this league but we have a professional women's hockey league and it's going well and i think that that's outstanding and i'm really happy for it it's just so heartening when you watch these games they cut to the crowd and how many young girls are in uh in the stands right the only thing that I feel badly about is you think about some of the old legends. Like I think about like a Haley Wickenheiser or something like that. It's too bad. They didn't ever get an opportunity to do this. That's the only downside for me, but I think this is just an outstanding move and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about it. And when I can, I will make a point to watch it for sure. Same question to you, Braden. how much have you watched and uh, what were your, what have been your initial thoughts? I've actually only watched one game. Um, and I think it was, again, it was Minnesota. What, what excited me was the first overall pick this year or, the inaugural pick this year, Taylor Heisey, I think her name is. Uh, mm-hmm. Just some unreal stick handling. Like the 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 skill level in this league uh, is nothing to sneeze at. So uh, it's really exciting that it's one televised and accessible to to people um, to be watching it, but also just that it's happening. I think is is monumental. Uh, and we've got an All Star game coming up as well already. So I think to Elliot's point of you know it's unfortunate. Uh, legends like Haley Wickenheiser and uh, uh, you know Cassie Campbell, players like that 
aren't in the league. I think they, I think that there's an opportunity here and I hope that it happens that they are able to be a part of some sort of, um, uh, some sort of the events taking place at the all-star game. Yeah. Um, so I'll say I've watched, I think three games, uh, in their entirety. And then I've definitely like Elliot kind of caught a couple bits of them. What I really have enjoyed about it is that, uh, the, I think again, as you say, Braden, like the skill level is very high, not that that should surprise anyone. Um, but it, I think it does surprise some people. I think there's a lot of people for whom women's hockey has been relegated strictly to whenever the Olympics come around and that's the only time they watch it. Um, so it's been nice to see that. I enjoy the physicality of it. I like the fact that we're watching a high speed entertaining brand of hockey. Um, my not criticism, but like, I think my initial frustration or feedback has been twofold. One, I feel like there was a missed opportunity in the branding surrounding this league. The idea that they've all kind of got the same uniform branding across and they're just identified by the cities they're in is a missed opportunity to, to right from the launch sort of develop and build fan bases around these teams and their identity. I think having logos and having uh, mascot or having like like the 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 team identity, I think would have and could have been a, a good opportunity from the beginning from the sounds of it. I know they were talking about this on the Mother Pucker podcast and and I know uh, Alicia on that show has some connections inside that league. Uh, her her um, sort of reporting, I'll call it, was that they they are planning to do that and they are planning to do that for next season. Um, and that there have been already those plans and trademarks may have already been filed for and been approved and that that announcement may come at some point during this season. It feels to me like a missed opportunity to not launch in that sense, because, you know, you're kind of already behind the eight ball merchandise, all of those extra elements that I think, especially for kids and for younger fans uh, are an extra incentive is a missed thing i get the the argument that's made as well these teams are all owned by the league it's not a franchise-based system therefore they wanted to make everything feel sort of neutral and everybody to kind of start on the, the same footing and yet for me it's like the that that the xfl was all owned by the same organization when it launched and they still made sure each city had an identity and la 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 so it's just one of those kind of things they put their money and prioritized the product on the ice i appreciate that i think it's just that thing and then the second question i have is about the timing of when this league is playing and whether that's something that should be looked at and explored my argument would be i think there are there is a better window both in terms of when attention would be on it and equally like how it it goes up against other things, specifically the NHL. And I think this should be a fall league. I think it's one that should start just before the NHL season starts. It should play through the early portions of the NHL season when I think there's a lot of casual NHL fans who are not quite as fully engaged as they would be as this season, as, as the PWHL approaches its playoffs so too will the playoff race for the NHL be on. And I think that's a hard thing to compete with. I like the idea of doing similar to what the NBA did with doing this in-season tournament earlier in the year, recognizing that's when viewership was down. I think that's an opportunity for them to counter-program the NHL. So that's something they might want to look at and something to compete with where your playoffs could kind of line up even into that December um, portion of, of it. And you could have your championship right before Christmas or something like that, or even right into the new year, like when they launched. Because I do think when they launched was successful because the NHL season was kind of in a slow point um but it, but then where does your season go from there you know what i mean it's a tricky thing do you want the eyeballs at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year and we'll see i mean it's an experiment i think in so many ways because it's the first time they've done it this way and what's really been nice to see is that it didn't kind of fall on its face when it launched it got off to a fantastic start and that's how you want it 
you know, you can only build from there, which is fantastic. It's a great footing for it. So excited for that. Hopefully marketing and branding and all that. And it's hard too, because we're all people out here in the West and this is a very East centric league yeah. right now, but that's just proximity right and they can financially work. And if it can do that, then they can start to expand into some other markets. I'm glad that it started in Minnesota and Boston and New York, because those are great markets for hockey in the United States to begin with. You know, you got to, you got to think of women's hockey same way I think we think about women's soccer, which is that the really core hardcore fans are around the collegiate level um, because that's yeah. where they've traditionally been. And Minnesota is a hockey mad state for men's and women's hockey when it comes to the Gophers and 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 college sports. So it makes it, it's great. I think what they've done is there's so many really positive things, and I'm really happy for it. But you know, it can always. I'd, be love, to, I'd love to see some new franchises in. Like I, I don't know how far away they are from from further expansion, and if that even happens. But uh, in some of those markets that don't have NHL teams, like I'm thinking, you know, like some somewhere even Saskatchewan would yep. would probably really really do well with a, a professional hockey team. I think you're right. I think that that is a great opportunity for them to to look at opportunities to, not even necessarily like not even as far away as like Regina would be, but like going into Connecticut, going into some of those smaller, but like still new Englandy states going into parts of Quebec. I mean, they've got the Montreal team there, but Quebec city has wanted an NHL team for how long this would be an opportunity to, to, you know, go into that play in the Maritimes. Like I get there's a, challenge financially with all of it but it will be interesting to see where it grows the fingers are obviously crossed that they can start here get to 10 teams down the road and then maybe you know expand from there again they're not franchises Braden. they're all just teams owned by the same league right but, you're right but, right but i know what you mean elliot yeah, final thoughts on that one you can't undersell the value of that tv deal i think it's a one-year oh, deal um fantastic. but uh, so hopefully that continues so they can get some longevity in that but that is such a major piece of this league being successful and so Glad they got it sorted and hopefully there's some longevity that they can build into the next one. Well, and at the same time, what I would also argue though, is I think that the deal that was made, especially with the American teams and YouTube cannot be undersold. This is like the NHL doesn't even know how to do this. They have not figured out streaming and there is a lot of untapped audience, especially young people. Like we talk all the time in, in, in media sports media about like cord cutting and how does the, how do we move from, you know, terrestrial media into the new age with it and you see all these nfl deals and the big leagues trying to figure out streaming but there it's not just cord cutting it's it's like never tv people people who never had a cable package who always were just on here and that is the audience base that this type of smaller league should really be 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 uh harnessing to the best their ability the youtube numbers are insane for some of these games we're talking millions of people streaming it live i watched one of the games on youtube not just like just literally because i had the youtube app open and i saw it was on i was like oh i wonder what it looks like here i'd like to see what the product is because obviously it's different than the tsn package and it was great quality first off it was a fantastic live stream it looked really good it sounded really good the whole energy of it i was like this is as good if not better than i mean if the nhl was on a platform like this i would drop my cable package tomorrow and i'd watch every single game i have to now living outside market you know go to a reddit stream for most oilers games because of the ridiculous contracts they have with sportsnet and the 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 rsn system that they're running but it's just nice as you say if you can get the product to the people that's the first be able to find it i mean yeah okay i i appreciate where you're coming from totally on the on that front from the uh, the, the YouTube and the streaming site and you, if the quality is good, that's great. You need people to be able to flip their channels, find this and be like, oh, sure. 
That's important. You're right. It can't be buried on some weird like regional network like it has been in the previous years. Yeah. You know, the Ocho or whatever. It's got to be on something that everybody has access to. They have access to YouTube. And in most cases, as you say, they have a national broadcaster, which is key. All right, let's leave it there. That's topic two. Hey, podcast listeners. My name is Larise Campbell, and along with my co-host, former Olympic bobsledder, Alicia Olson, I am so excited to introduce you to the Mother Pucker podcast. And if you love the Oilers like we do, you are going to love our show. It's just two gals who aren't afraid to drop the gloves and throw some hot takes about the boys in blue and orange. Whether you're a massive hockey fan like us or just looking for some new voices talking about the Oilers' blue line, or lack thereof, we promise the show is for you. So subscribe now and tell your friends. It's time for the Mother Pucker Podcast. Okay, well, you're going to do hats off here. Um, the first hats off of the new year. So ha- happy new year. Um, Braden, you can go first. Oh, I'm not ready. Okay, Elliot, you can go first. Uh, my hat goes off this week. This is kind of a fun one. I don't know if you guys watched uh, the well, you maybe you likely did on Saturday, um, Hockey Night in Canada. In between one of the periods of the Oilers Montreal game, they unveiled the new All Star jerseys. Oh, yeah, uh, and they they themselves are awful, but my yeah, hat, they really are, <laughs> they, they are really bad. But my head goes off to Kelly Rudy, who shoved himself into one that was clearly like too size, <laughs> too small for him. And uh, and while they were awful jerseys and it was an awful segment and they, they didn't do themselves any favorite, he kind of salvaged what was like a pretty bunk announcement by just being hilarious and making fun. Was of his him. was he in the red one? Yeah. Did you hear Bexa beacon him later in the other <laughs> broadcast? No, I didn't. They, they were all kind of joking about it. So I didn't see that segment live. I went back and found it later, but I only heard Bieksa making fun of it. And so I wanted to go find out what it was. But Bieksa made a joke about how he's like, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, I think Ron McLean made some comment about the jerseys and BX is like, yeah, I mean, they all look great except for that red one. <laughs> and they were all kind of laughing. He goes, but maybe that was just the color. What do you think, Kelly? And he was just <laughs> laughing. And I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So I went yeah. and found the photo. It is pretty. That's pretty funny. It is so funny. It was like a good, like lighthearted kind of fun thing. It for was sure. a bunch of folks having fun on TV and it was lighthearted and, and I enjoyed it. And uh, Kelly Rudy, who sometimes gets on my nerves for his Calgary fandom and his obvious hatred of the Oilers. Uh, I will give him my tip my hat this week for being a good sport and bringing lots of fun to it. All right. Uh, should I go Braden to give you more time? No, I'm ready. Okay. You go ahead then. I'm tipping my hat to one of the great, if not the greatest college football coach of all time, who's just retired. Nick Saban. There was like a, there was like a few different, uh, there was like three days where a bunch of coaches just decided that they were going to stop playing or coaching. And this is the one that uh, I think shocked me the most. Um, He coached for like 50 years and he's done. That's it. Nick Saban. I think what? 11, seven national, seven national championships. That's massive. This guy's a legend. Uh, I will take my hat off to our good friend and fellow podcaster, Tyler Walzak. There you go. Who has been as long suffering as any person I personally know, who has finally climbed the mountain and seen his Detroit Lions win a football game in the playoffs. I sat next to Tyler probably five years ago while we watched a playoff game, something he absolutely hates doing. He likes to watch these games alone in his house with the lights off, hoodie fully up over 
the forehead and almost the eyes so he can make all of the unpleasant noises that are going to naturally occur from someone who is going through absolute and utter, uh, you know, just the most guttural stress. Uh, but he was at work. We watched the game at work and he was just miserable as they lost a playoff game. Flash, flash forward to this year and he gets redemption. Not many people know this about Mr. Tyler Walzak who, if you don't already know, is obviously the host of our NFL show on the network. But Tyler Walzak was a season ticket holder for one and only one season of his adult life, and it was the season they went 0-16. This is a man who shelled out money he probably couldn't afford at the time as a young adult, thinking he was finally going to enjoy some Detroit Lions football, and they absolutely broke his heart every single game. But he was there. 16 of them. And he's been there for every other game since as a, you know, West coast transplant. So my hat goes off to you, Tyler, as a long suffering fan, we got three of us standing here. None of us have seen an Oilers championship in our lifetime. Many of us suffered through the dark decade of darkness. I know I watched and, and celebrated with Braden as his beloved Raptors finally got their championship. And all I can say is I am rooting for you, not just the Detroit Lions. I'm rooting for you this year. Uh, to finally climb that mountain, my hat goes off to Tyler Walzak and the Detroit Lions. All right, that is our little show for uh, this week, uh, the second week of January. Um, speaking of Tyler, if you haven't already, please go check out the uh, Running Down the Clock podcast. They are on every Thursday uh, through the NFL season. They will be obviously here to talk about Wild Card Weekend and to set up uh, the divisional round uh, this Thursday. Um, as I also said at the beginning, our resolution here is to grow this show. So if you wouldn't mind helping us out with that, share it with a friend. If you know a sports fan in your life who is looking for that new podcast to put in the rotation on their Monday or Tuesday morning commutes, um, stick us in their ears and we will do the best we can to build a listener out of them. Elliot Braden, thank you for your time. And as always, that was Hatcher. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.